0: in the book of Acts and it's crazy to get through it for this month. Each Sunday is three chapters and I just want you to know in the next 29 minutes I'm not going to be able to teach what is in chapter seven, chapter eight, chapter nine, there's so much, Stephen is gonna get stoned. But there's a thought that goes through it. I mean, then he gives us great message. Uh, then at chapter nine, we have Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul, the roads of Damascus. He has his conversion. And so all the material I have, I just feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony. I have. I could go anywhere. The, 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 Opportunities are everywhere I look. <laughs> you get the... Okay. <laughs> so let, let me just mention, because uh, we're going to go to Solitarsus and see his conversion. And, and you know, it's where he saw the flash of light and he falls to the ground. And, and we're going we're gonna to read that. But I want you to, to realize that's also your story. If you're a believer, that's your story. You know that, that you have the moment, the misfit, the messenger, and the message. Every believer should have had what resemble what, what Paul uh, happened to Paul and it should resemble your story. And I'm, I'm gonna try to make that fit. So let me just start with you know the 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 thread that goes through Stephen being stoned before Stephen was stoned. I mean, he threw him out in the middle, and he gives this little speech. But he he goes all the way back to Abraham. He goes back to Moses and saying, you know, you were the Jewish people were the Israelites were in captivity for 400 years in Egypt, and in, and when you just thought it was the worst, God had a plan. You know, when when you were out in the desert with Moses, you thought it was the worst. 40 years, God had a plan. And he said, even now, he's about to be stoned, because God has a plan. God has a plan. And what's what's and 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 that's played through. I mean, though, though it's difficult, and some of you have got difficult things going on right now. God has a plan. Amen. And and what the enemy has set out to hurt you and destroy you, God has a plan. God has a plan. It's interesting. So Stephen was stoned. Stephen took he was he was a Greek believer. He, he lived in Jerusalem, but uh, he was put in charge of, of holistic the the Greek women widows, and he was brilliant. I mean, he was just uh, spoke numerous languages and a faithful man. Well, what the enemy tried to do is to silence what was going on in Jerusalem, because that's pretty much where the church was. And so when they stoned him, Paul, well Saul, he goes to the leaders and goes, I'm gonna go to Damascus, give me a letter so I can go arrest all these people in the way. That's what Christians were called before Christians, they were called the people of the way. They said and so he got papers to go to Damascus to do this he goes now that i've done my thing well guess what happened in jerusalem stephen dies he's stoned to death the except for, it said only the apostles stayed in jerusalem all the other christians scattered do you know what happened in that tragic thing of stephen being stoned christianity went from the city of jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. It spread throughout the Middle East in the midst of this horrible thing. And they were afraid. That's why they left. Even in their fear, the gospel was spreading throughout the region. So what, the Lord, what God has, has planned for you, the enemy's gonna stand up against it. And, and you're just seeing the, the result right now what the enemy's got you in or in the past. I want you to know that these three chapters talk about God has got a plan. He's got a plan. And so we lose the person that feeds the Greek widows. Two chapters later, we gain a believer who wrote most of the books of the New Testament. (laughs) We lost one to the enemy, but he's in heaven because he sees Jesus standing to welcome him in. And then just two chapters later, we see Saul of Tarsus turning into Paul, who's going to spread the gospel throughout the world by the letters that he writes to the churches. God has a plan. And so I want to start this. In chapter 8, we see, and Saul approved of of their killing him, Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the disciples of apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Boom. This is so horrible. And though you're in a difficult situation, wherever you go, you're taking Jesus with you. And that's what they did. In the midst of them being slain and persecuted and pursued, their message didn't change. So let's go on. We're going to get into chapter 9. said, meanwhile, Saul was still (laughs) breathing out just this murderous threat. I mean, he goes against the letter. He goes, threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any of who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Guess what Jesus showed up as? Light. Light. He is the light. And you know why Jesus had to appear that way to Paul? It's because you can't become an apostle unless you've had a vision of Christ. And see, Paul is going to be accused. You never walked with Jesus, you never even met him. How can you speak like this? He goes, Oh, but I did meet him. But I did. So he appears as a flash of light. He fell to the ground. Am I gone too far? Yes. He fell to to the ground. There we go. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Like, what? Here's what we miss in the story. Saul was serving his God. He was a zealot. He thought he was doing the the Lord's work. He was taking care of these Christians who were blaspheming his God, saying that there's a Messiah. See, they didn't believe that Jesus was going to be this Messiah. And they go, you're blaspheming. You're, You're saying you're a son of God. That's a blaspheme. He was a religious, crazed person serving God with all his might giving his life to that work, to serve God. But he had it wrong. He had it wrong. And, and, and what I want to introduce to you is, you can have a difference of an opinion with someone. If you have a difference of opinion with your wife about politics, You know, you are wrong, but it's your opinion. If you have a difference of opinion with someone in your family, it's your opinion. If you have a difference of opinion with the purpose of God, you're going to get knocked off your horse. There's a lot of people who have opinions about God and how to serve God and what God is like. But when you come up against, if I'm going to attack the purpose of God, what God wants to do in this situation, what God wants to do in this church, if my opinion, a.k.a. feelings, I don't feel that's right. Paul didn't feel that it was right what these people of the way were doing. I've seen so many men and women get knocked to the ground when they were serving the Lord in their mind, in their emotions. This is what it's supposed to look like. I've seen people who have come against other believers thinking, well, they, you shouldn't be doing that. And I, see, I saw them get slapped down to the ground, blinded. Their ministry removed from them because they were working against the purpose of God. God has a purpose here on earth and that means the church is going forward and if the church is going forward there's somebody up front that is pushing against all the elements and he's making waves don't say anything don't don't unless you see something in the Word of God that he's just not following or she's not following don't you get in the way or else God slaps you down just like he did Paul. Paul thought he was serving the Lord. Straightened up all these Christians. He got slapped down. And we need to understand it. Do you know um, Jim Baker? And I don't know if it, Jim Baker, back in the 80s, he had this thing called PTL Club. And it was huge. Biggest Christian TV thing going on. Just a, a remarkable. He's building this city. And... Um, he got a little big for his britches, but he kept building the city and having this environment, uh, you know, for Christians. And he started having affairs. He embezzled $158 million and he got caught. And he gets sent to jail, I think, for 45 years, but they reduced it after he was in prison down to five. He was interviewed. And he said, they said, when did you fall out of, you know, a Christian interview, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? He goes, I didn't fall out of love with Jesus. I was doing what he, I felt like he told me to do. He goes, I didn't fall out of Jesus, and Jesus didn't fall out of love with me. He goes, I just stopped fearing God. Because I was getting away with it, and I was prospering. I was doing what he told me to do while I please my flesh. He got in the way of the purpose of God. And so he always refers to prison as not prison. He wasn't, he goes, I wasn't being punished. I was being reclaimed by God because if I had not been slapped down, he goes, I'd be in hell. He goes, prison saved me. It returned me to the kingdom. The the, the biggest, the big. And he was pursuing God. He felt that he was doing something right. But he didn't fear God. Well, just because you got the good job, you live in the nice house, you may be in God's way. Well, that's what happens. It's not just your feelings. It's just not what you think church is supposed to look like. Be sure you don't get in front of the purpose of God, what God wants to do in your family, what God wants to do in this church, what God wants to do where you're at in your office. Don't get in the way. Don't. Don't shout it down. So Saul was this radical, and he was, you know, going after the church. I'm glad wait a How many of you have been radical for whatever you believed in before you came here? I mean, how many how many of you laughed at people who go to church every Sunday? And especially if they raise their hands, go you wouldn't catch me there. I'll never sit next to a man who shouts about the food pantry. <laughs> I'd never be in a church somebody screams. It's embarrassing. Oh, any of you out there? Yeah, you were a zealot. You were a zealot against those nuts in that church building, that old gymnasium. You were a zealot. You were just like Paul. Boom. You had your moment, and you know. So many of us have been there, and it takes it takes a moment with Jesus to get me from where I was, laughing at Christians, making fun of Christians, even though I called myself a Christian. The only thing that gets you here is that moment that Paul had. Well, let's. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He had that moment. Jesus shows up. Saul had the moment. You know, you can can read God's word and it can make you a better person. You can hang out with a bunch of Christians and you become a little better person. You make sure your kids, you know, they go to a Christian school and they become a little better person, but nothing changes you until you have the moment. You need to have that moment. David in the Old Testament, he cried out, he goes, Lord, Lord, Let me remember the day of my salvation. Let me remember that moment again because that's what changes me. That's what brings the fear of God in my life. To have a God that big, that loving, that personal, and you're this big, that's a moment. To sense the presence of God. You know, I used to work for a, a big huge ministry where everyone would always fall down and people would always come up and ask me, well, what do you think about that falling down when people get prayed for? And I said, Well, I've I've looked at I've looked at looked at it. And you know, when Jesus, when they came to arrest Jesus, <clears throat> they said, where's this Jesus? He goes, I am there I am. <laughs> said all the soldiers fell down. They're, they've never been in the presence of God. So every time I see someone just completely go down, I'm well, you can go down, but you know, that needs to be assigned to that person. They're having their moment. You know, it says that Daniel fell as a dead man when the angel was in front of him. There's that moment. And at the end of the service, I'm gonna ask, I mean, not come down, but i to give you the opportunity for those of you who've not had that moment, that time with Jesus, say, Lord, show up. I'm opening myself to it. I don't, I don't want to get knocked down to the ground. I'm opening myself up. I want the moment. I want the moment. If I haven't had it, some of you might say, "You don't, I need to remember the moment that I had 20 years ago. Remind me of the day of my salvation. Well, Saul had the moment. Verse, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. These men were following Paul because he was their leader in a flash Now he says, I can't see. You lead me. Lead me into Damascus. He had had to put their hand on them. He went from the ultimate leader I am the top. I've got the letters to do this job for the, the Sanhedrin. And now I am blind and weak. I need you. He had to immediately, you're immediately humbled when you come at that moment. It's humbling. Now, this wasn't a a spiritual humbling. He was physically humbled. But he's about, the Lord is about to tell him, you got to humble your, okay, I've humbled your flesh. Now, you're going to have to humble yourself to be in this way. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Good. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias the Lord called to him in a vision Ananias yes Lord he answered the Lord told him go to the house of Judas on straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying he is praying hmm <laughs> Well, let's see what he says. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. <clears throat> you, you, this, this is how you know this is real. This is how you know it's real. Um <clears throat> uh, Lord, <laughs> Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. This is kind of like anything, Lord. I realize you've not been here all that long. Um, Let me get you up. This guy's not good he was coming here to lay hands on me and put me in prison and now you're telling me to put my hands on him and lead him to freedom. There's a whole lot of obedience and humbling that has to go around to loose a miracle. It's got to be on both sides. Everyone is in agreement. At least the two of you agree. Everyone, he was coming to lay hands on me, and now I lay hands on. Okay, yes, Lord. He didn't feel it. Do you think he, when he went to see Saul, he felt? Oh, I'm coming in in the power of God. I feel His presence on me, and His hand in my back pushing me. No. The man, the man who asked that, it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, is there a Saul of Tarsus here? Um, I've been told to pray for you. Have a seat. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> wow. Because he was obedient in doing it. Doesn't say he was powerful, he was humble and he was obedient. But now he's got to go and ask, can I pray for you? And he's having someone in the way pray for him. There's a lot of humbling and obedience on Saul's part. Well, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, there's no please. There's no I'll love you. I'll snuggle you in tonight. What does that make that go sound like? Go? No, go. This man is My, not yours, not your opinion, not your feeling. This is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name, not your name, not the way, me and my way. My name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. He's covered it all. There's too much... Of our opinion and what God has called us to do. There's too much of our feelings. God called Ananias alone to do it. No one else could do this. Ananias said, "Could I take my my cell group? Can I take the prayer team? Oh, we have a we have a prayer team at church. He uh, had to do it alone." and that's the other thing about when God calls you when you're going through a tough time there's some places only you can walk the walk Amen. you can have people pray for you you can have people love you you can have a hug but there's some things that only you can do only you it's your walk it's not their walk it's not our walk I will show him how much he must suffer. Oh, Lord, that makes it even better. So you want me to go to this guy who wants to arrest me and put me in prison. You want me to lay my hands on him and set him free. And I'm going to stand there, and you're going to tell him how much he's going to have to suffer if he follows you. I don't see how this is going to work out for me. (laughs) But remember, the Lord said, this is my choice. To proclaim my name, to stand before kings for me. This isn't about you. You are the vessel. You're the vessel. So here's what happens in three and a half minutes. The scales. Then Annas went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. That must have been tough. Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. He didn't eat for three days. It took three days for Ananias to get, you know, show up. He gets there. And what is incredible is verse 20. Verse 20, it says that Paul immediately went and preached. But so he had his moment. But here's what happens when you have your moment. You become the misfit. You don't fit in. The Sanhedrin, you're preaching Jesus now. Are they going to have you in? Are they, are they gonna, Paul, let's discuss this. Let's, you know, let's just work. Yeah. No. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, they're against you. Guess what? Do you think the people in the way accepted Paul? This was a guy coming to kill him, to arrest him. He still got the papers. He doesn't fit in with the church. You know when someone gets saved? They don't come in here and fit in. you like, look at how they're dressed. <laughs> look, look at the words that he uses. That's the language of the world. You, you don't fit. You're a misfit. When you have that moment, all you know is you got Jesus, and you don't fit with the old world, and you're really not fitting with the new one because you haven't learned the rules. <laughs> You know, the F-bomb is not acceptable in children's church. <laughs> You're a misfit. But you know what? That's why newly saved people are the most dangerous to the enemy because they don't, they don't fit in, so they're not working for your approval. They're not working for the approval of their old life because that's dead. I've met Jesus. I had my moment. I can't quite fit in with the church, but boy, did something happen in that flash of light. I had my moment, and now I'm a misfit. I am. A, I am dangerous. I'm not trying to win anyone's approval. No matter. It, Paul's entire ministry, he was always battling the, the Juda, you know, the ones that make Judaizers that wanted the Christians to come back to the Jewish side, and then the oh, it was just a mess. They go, you never We walked with Jesus. <clears throat> He's now a misfit. And, 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 and this, is, this is the point in, in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, I mean, Second <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 11. Paul is, and he doesn't mention this except, except right here. He doesn't, he doesn't, every message he gives, he doesn't give his credentials of all the things that he's had to battle. Who here has had a tough time as a, a believer? Thinks you, you lose job, you lose, yeah, absolutely. And the rest of y'all are just trying to, is he going to be done by lunch? <laughs> he goes, five times he was whipped, 39 stripes. It was 40 less one. That's five, uh, 195 times he was whipped. What did his back look like? Three times beaten with rods, stoned once. Three times shipwrecked, spent a night and a day in the sea. He, you know, his little fingers were all pickly after that. <laughs> he was robbed. He was sick. He was hungry, thirsty, cold, naked, and lied about by his friends. And then verse 28 says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Okay, let me put. let me tell you what that said with all the crap, all the crap thrown in my life has not knocked me off from being concerned with the church. I've been whipped. I've been stoned. I've been beaten. But I have, I am a messenger of my story. And no matter, I mean, the enemy was doing the stuff to shut him up. And in between his trials, in between his hard times, he was concerned in writing a letter to the church to get them going. He, because of his, these difficult things, it did not stop the messenger. They had the moment, the misfit, the messenger. He didn't mess it up. We had this girl years and years ago who got saved. She was a exotic dancer and she had her moment with Jesus and then she was going to be an evangelist and so I we had her try out teaching and she taught up she had some friends come and and I went to it and I think Phil was there and she spoke for 30 minutes and in 30 minutes she said me or I 65 times She was talking about herself and what she had suffered and what she had done this. And I didn't hear a whole, that she didn't say Jesus 65 times. See, some of us can, all we want to do is talk about me, 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 and how I've suffered and how, Paul didn't do that. He said, I preach Christ crucified. He doesn't say, I preach me and all the crap that's been thrown my way. I get a badge of honor. Really, it's a badge of pity that you want. I preach Christ crucified. If you've had a moment, you are a messenger to tell that story. And the story you tell is the message of Jesus. Have you had your moment? Did you become a misfit? Miss all those worldly friends? Complain about the Christians that don't like you because of the way you look or smell or drink or whatever. Do you have your story? Because you're a messenger now. You had your moment. You've been the misfit. You're a messenger. But remember, the message is Jesus. Hallelujah. That presence that came upon you, it changed it all. I can't leave my best my my old friends you haven't had a moment yet. No you might have had a good time you might have been near the presence of God but you haven't had a moment. You might have had your moment and you return to something that's destroying your life. Guess what? You can return to Jesus. And you can walk away and return to that thing that's destroying your life. But you had your moment. You've had your moment. That's why you keep returning and trying and not giving up. Let's stand. You're called to a dying world. And it is so obvious. People are trying to tell you what the truth is, that men are women and women can be men. You know what they're talking about so they're going, whatever you feel like you are. <laughs> I feel different about myself from day to day. Some days I feel like a loser. Some days I feel like just a sinner. Because I sin, I have the wrong attitudes. But if I have the right to identify as the world is trying to tell me I can, let me tell you how I identify. I am born again. I've been raised up to be something that I cannot be in my own. That I have a father who loves me. And he says, regardless what comes your way, I am preparing a place for you in heaven. That's why I gotta go. I gotta leave you to go prepare a place. What a great dad. How many of you We're upset with your dad because he went to prepare a place for you to live. He works all the time. He's never home. He doesn't throw the ball with me. He's left to go, guess what? Jesus has left. He sent back the Holy Spirit, but he left to go prepare a house for us. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. That his blood is flowing from the throne right now, ever forgiving us. You're forgiven today, and guess what? You'll be forgiven tomorrow, not because of just the cross, but that blood is still flowing from the mercy seat. That's how it works. Interceding. You say, no one's praying for me, Jesus says. He says he's interceding. Don't blame the church. They didn't do this. They didn't. Jesus did it. You are his servant, and you're answering his call. If you haven't had that moment, if it's not fresh in your eye, your mind, when I pray, I want you to ask for, Lord, give me my moment, even if it makes me a misfit. But I need something. I need to see you. I need to be in your presence because I've not been able to say no to this. I've not been able to walk away from the old. And it might make me a little weird for what you have new. But I'm willing to be a misfit, not fit in. But I got to have a moment. And I'll be the messenger of that moment. And I'll keep the message to you, not me. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for those who need their moment. They need their moment to shake off the past and move towards where you want them in the future. But only only they can walk this walk to get from one group to the other. And in that period of time, they're going to be a misfit. They don't care. They're not trying to please anybody, they want to see you. They want to see you and have their moment. Lord, for those who have a story, I speak on you, you are a messenger. You are a messenger. Tell your story wherever you can. And remember the message, it's Jesus crucified.